1: The RV Show USA. Hi, it's the RV Wingman and welcome to today's podcast. Before we begin, make sure and download my latest free RV report. It'll save you thousands when buying or selling an RV and prevent you from being ripped off. My latest report is available now at FreeRVReport.com.
2: The RV Show USA. Start living
1: Welcome, everybody. Glad you could join us. Alan Warren here, the RV wingman. Pull up a seat around my virtual campfire where we're sitting around talking about RVs and camping and just good old-fashioned fun with some of today's most popular RV influencers. The RV Show USA. Start
0: living the RV dream
1: today. Now, today's virtual campfire is brought to you by My Free RV Report. Learn how to save thousands when buying a new RV, and avoid being ripped off. Download the most recent RV report at FreeRVReport.com. The
3: RV
0: Show USA.
2: Start living the RV dream Day.
1: And welcome again to the RV Show USA, everybody. you got the RV wingman here, and I want to begin by saying, if I were a betting man, sometimes I am, I'd bet money that a majority of the RVers that are listening today are overweight. Many are morbidly obese, as they say. Now, I'm not talking about you specifically. I'm talking about your RV. The chances of your RV being morbidly obese are pretty dang high. Traveling while being overweight is a real issue, but there are many others that you should keep in mind as an RVer. Here are our friends from Let's Turn It Up World, Tanya and David, our full-time traveling nomads, to talk about some of these important safety tips that'll help keep you and your family and others safe while on the road
4: and in the campground. All right, so let's kick things off with one, overloading your camper van. Now, I know we are all guilty of this. You know, it might be tempting to think about packing everything and the kitchen sink as you embark on your journey, but seriously, overloading your RV or camper van can be seriously dangerous, right? No, it's very true,
3: and as Tanya said, it, you know, we're guilty of this as well. When we moved into desert snow, I mean, it's a small camper van, right? It's Ford Transit chassis, 23 feet long, we're trying to bring our comforts of home with us on the road, and so my first instinct is, so like pack everything as we can get everything in the garage you can as much as you can in there and then you realize especially when you load up and fill up your water tanks and all that that you could very well be overweight right Absolutely. so you really want to be conscious of that be careful because it has a real impact on the driving and your braking and all that
4: and one of the huge things too is by overloading your RV you don't only risk yourselves and your lives but you might risk others on the road as well next up driving faster than the tires on your RV are rated
3: wow this is very true I can't even count the tires we've seen rigs go going by at high speeds, a lot of times it's like towables or fifth wheels or really small tires on them. You know they aren't rated for very high, maybe not over 65, and they're going like 85 miles an hour, and it may be within the speed limit in some places, but it's over the tire rating of those tires. That's a real safety risk.
4: Yeah, and just imagine pairing that with a possible overweight rig on top of that. Oh, that's a recipe for disaster. Next up, ignoring propane safety and driving with the propane on. Now, this one is a bit controversial which actually is a bit surprising to us. We
3: feel it's very important to turn the propane off when you're driving. Now, in our rig, it doesn't make any sense to have it on anyway, right? It's really just the heat, and we have a system that we can actually keep our tanks from freezing while we're driving, yes. right? Whereas I know others, propane can actually heat the fridge, which is a tougher decision on whether to turn it off or not. Cool the, it's, cool the fridge. <laughs> oh, I said heat the fridge, yeah. cool the fridge. 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 Yeah, of course, cool the fridge. Yes. Right? And so some people will drive with it, but we just think as a safety measure, you should really drive with their propane off, close off the time, of heading down the road.
4: Oh, there's one other thing about propane we should mention, and we've had since this times when we're in RV parks, sometimes the smell of propane could actually mean there's a propane leak. That's important to check that, right? You
3: know, absolutely. Make sure you check your lines, make sure everything is secure, that you don't have any propane leaks. That can definitely be
4: dangerous. Driving with unsecured items. Let me first start off by saying we are definitely, you know, uh, contributors of doing that. You know, sometimes when you're packing up pretty quickly, or you, you forget to secure certain things, or or if you don't actually realize you haven't secured something until you get into an accident. Drinking from your fresh water tank without any filters. Now this topic
3: sparks a little bit of controversy for sure, right? No, it does. We've had comments saying, Oh, I've been drinking out of my water tank for like 20 years, no problem. But I mean, the water's just sitting in that tank and it can actually get bacteria pretty easily. So we think it's very important to make sure you're filtering your water with a good filtration system. We actually have multiple filters in ours. We One do. It the goes pump. from the pump, yeah. then
4: it goes to the RV, and yeah. then it it goes into the Berkey, exactly. and then it goes from the Berkey into the bottle, and it goes from the bottles into my mouth. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> dun, dun, dun! Not using a surge protector, y'all. Now, one thing I can see for sure is that not all campground currents are equal. You don't know what you're getting when you're plugging into that system, you know? So you got to be really cautious about that. And sometimes plugging directly into that power supply could blow everything in your RV. Yeah, no, it's just Costly. very...
3: Exactly. It's very good safety practice. Always use a surge protector here, just protect your rig. Last thing you want to do is get some strange surge coming in right, from the, the RV resort, wherever you're plugged in, And because if that goes into your system and blows everything, that's going to be very expensive.
4: Absolutely. And you know what? It costs a lot less just to buy, what, a $200 surge protector? That could cost you thousands of dollars in repair.
3: Right. And plus, it could be hazardous, cause a fire. So just avoid that.
4: Disregarding weather warnings. You know what? Weather conditions can change all the time, right, babe?
3: <laughs> you know, absolutely. And certainly, I mean, I've been guilty of not staying on top of the weather, especially with some of our winter camping, we've been caught. I've been guilty yeah, too. <laughs> yeah, we've been caught in, in blizzards and obviously it can be very dangerous. Not just blizzards, but to say high wind situations. If you're driving a rig down the road, it's super windy. That can be a really dangerous situation driving down the road with a big rig getting tossed around by the wind.
4: Absolutely. And that's just really goes to show being attuned to the weather. And you can't prepare for that all the time. We understand there's certain times where you're actually driving into a storm that might be coming at you. It's just uh, be precautious, be safe, and take your time in those type of conditions.
3: Now babe, we have some really important bonus things that you should never do in your RV that we should really mention. You
4: know, you're absolutely right. And not only are these bonus ones we should mention, but they're true safety concerns and possibly could damage your RV if you're not paying attention to them. So, let's get into it. Like, driving down really bumpy roads. Do with me. Bumpy
3: roads. okay. Now, this one we're definitely guilty of. Right? You're driving your home down the road, and most of these RVs and even some of the camper vans aren't designed for going down and just shaking And your your house around like crazy. You know, the the lines are going to loosen up, the bolts, the screws, all that stuff. And you got to go through and check out. You might get water leaks from that. So if you can avoid it, don't go down bumpy roads because that's going to really do a lot of damage to your RV.
4: Yeah. And sometimes you can't avoid it. Like for us, for instance, we love the boondocking life. Not only do we enjoy the campgrounds, but we love getting off into some, you know, more isolated areas. And a lot of times those type of roads do require you to go down some washboards and bumps. The views are there. Just mentally prepare yourself that you. Most likely will have to be in the repair shop after that trip. (laughs) Leaving your awning out when you're not around. Oh, I have to tell the story on this one. So, we were this close from losing our awning and we were actually there. But you know what? When your awning is out, you never know what could happen. For instance, we had a potential, we call them dust devils, where just randomly, like a little mini cyclone just comes up and boom, it could. Completely rip your awning off. So we do realize, as we're out traveling, whenever we're leaving the RV, we tend to put our awning in, right?
3: Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's even true if your awning has that automatic retractable feature, which ours does. It does. But if a if a strong wind comes through, like it can in the Vegas area in particular, I mean that awning can can break pretty easily. I mean, RV awnings are notorious for breaking. Oh yeah. So so be careful and put it in before you leave.
4: Absolutely. You know you don't want your awning ending up in your neighbor's backyard. Now this one might apply to those that need you know like us that. In do enjoy winter camping, but it's not paying attention to temperatures overnight, especially during those cold months.
3: And this is especially true when you're changing seasons, right? Oh, and yeah. The days might be a little bit warmer, but the nights go down, and you get these freeze warnings. And this happened to us, right? We Several actually
4: times. well, we
3: actually at <laughs> yeah, one time we actually we didn't put our heat on, and the temperature got below freezing, and actually froze a couple of our pipes, which was super frustrating. We came back yeah, to the a rig, bowels. yeah, we that came back amazing. to the rig, we had a leak in the rig, and had to get it fixed
4: towing a vehicle over the tow rate capacity of your rig. No, no, no!
3: Now we actually don't tow a vehicle, but we've seen more situations where there might be even like a small SUV or something towing this huge thing behind it. And we know our capacity very well. It's 4,000 pounds. A lot of things we'd like to tow, we actually wouldn't be able to in our rig. But it's very important, again, this gets back to the whole weight of your vehicle, the combined weight of that and what you're towing. Just be careful. Stay within the capacity of your tow, you know, your tow capacity.
4: Draining the gray water y'all on the ground. No, no, no. You
3: shouldn't dump your gray water, you no, know, out on the ground. Now we know in some BLM areas it may be legal to do so. Yeah. Don't your gray water. Plus, babe, I mean,
4: it smells. It does. Ours right? does. You know, I do a lot of cooking inside and outside of the rig. So when I'm washing dishes, whether it's from meat or seafood, the gray water tends to have a smell. I mean, yeah. would you really want that dumped on your campground? So you got to be really careful and be mindful of that. Like, would you want your stinky gray water dripped all over your ground? No, probably not. So don't do it to others. Don't dump them on the ground. Now, we don't have a black tank, but leaving the black tank open while you're connected to the sewer? No, I know a lot of you probably know this, but full hookup black tank valves must be closed, y'all. Keep them closed when you're hooked up to that sewer line. Right, no, it's
3: pretty nasty. I mean, the fumes from the line can come up back right into the RV. And plus, if you have it open all the time, your fluids are going to kind of go down, right? But the solids might create this poop pyramid, and that can be a real problem for you.
4: Think of it like wall plaster. <laughs> exactly. Once it gets hard, it gets hard. It's hard to get it off, but poopy stopped.
3: Exactly. <laughs> so if you're connected, if you have the sewers connected, keep the black tank one closed and just open it when you're draining it so how many of these things are
1: you guilty of i know me too you know it's nice that tanya and david are always around to share their experiences with us they have a channel called let's turn it up world and it's one of my favorites to watch we have a link to them from our website vrvshowusa.com or you can go right to them in the youtube search bar type in let's turn it up world and bam you'll be glad you did
4: Helping you to learn so you won't get burned.
1: He's back on the radio again. So last week our friends from Canada, Kent and Lisa Peterson, joined us with some perspective and things I believe are worth listening to. Kent and Lisa are full-time RVers in Canada. Now you may say living up in Canada in the wintertime, full-time, how in the world? Well, they do it. They've been doing it for years. As with many full-time RVers here in the lower 48, the subject of health care comes up. When you live in an RV and you are moving around, what do you do about your doctors? What do you do if you have an emergency? What about health insurance? How about travel insurance? While this segment is geared towards our Canadian listeners, I think Kent and Lisa do a good job of helping us think about our options. So up now are my friends from Living Light RV to wrap up this two-part series.
5: We're going to call this like... Health insurance, medical insurance, slash travel insurance. Yes. so it's kind of all wrapped into one. Right, because
2: when you're going across the country, you might be in one country and then one yeah, all of that stuff. Yeah, one country, and then another country because people go through the states to drive yes. through across Canada yes, sometimes. Exactly, it happens. Uh, you never know. Um, th- there could be a flood. <laughs> Anyways, um, so you want your medical insurance that provides more than just your universal your universal health care of the province to be adequate so when you
5: before before we move on from the from the provincial health care just so people cover that first
2: if you're not familiar with canadian health insurance here's how it goes in the province of alberta and bc that we're both familiar with is that uh, we because we're residents of this province we can walk into the hospital we can say oh i'm not feeling well i need something uh for my whatever is ailing me and my arm needs to be reattached. My ear is, is uh, swelled up. And it doesn't cost out of pocket. Yeah. Okay?
5: Yeah, exactly. That was our
2: experience in y- Yukon also. Yeah. Because we actually have that little card we pull out of our wallet that says, Alberta
5: Healthcare with a number. And in okay? order to keep that valid, you do have to stay. You're supposed to stay in the province for five months every year. Yeah. For Alberta. Now, it is different in every province. So, you need to do your research and find out from your provincial government what the requirements are for your provincial health care
2: that's right because you don't want to let that drop off and say well i was out of overseas for two years and now i don't have provincial health care yeah you want to keep that because then when you go to bc you pull out your alberta health card and that still they still go through the computer up in yukon they still go through the computer now when you're traveling you can have over and above and so, you
5: should we think we you should have over and above if lots of people states, say
2: you should yeah. now in the states different That's, oh you're saying I'm talking, traveling in across Canada, Canada. Yeah. Oh, okay okay in Yukon you know if you want your ambulance fees covered if you want your emergencies extras covered uh, hospital stay covered
5: without any extra bills then Private you have room versus yeah, yeah. so yeah. Th- these are all the questions that you have to ask yourself and say what's important to me do I want to have a lowest monthly payment for yeah. my insurance if i'm going to go over and above my, my my provincial health and just risk it and whatever happens happens yeah. or do i want to be completely insured you know the most insured thousands of dollars thousands of dollars every month there's probably somewhere in between that's comfortable for you so just find out what that is and and find out what your needs are
2: let's talk about the states
5: okay so when you're traveling in the states and you're a canadian and you want to have that travel insurance so this is different than your provincial your provincial will cover you a little bit for incidences in the states but it's so minimal we do recommend getting travel insurance The people in the States may not know
2: how to even bill and collect on it, which means it might even be less. See, we were in Vegas once. Mm. We were at the airport. Lisa's like, I'm feeling horrible. And we went to the clinic
5: there, and I'm thinking, oh, no. Um, I might have to... uh, I don't think we come bought... Up with some more money. I think we did not buy travel insurance that time that we went to no. Vegas. It was such a short little trip. We're like, we're going to zip down, we're yeah. going to come back, it'll be fine. Went signed. to the clinic, and the clinic lady says, oh, no
2: problem, you're from Alberta? No problem. Yeah. We'll lay on the bed, we'll get you some meds, you'll be totally fine, I'll take care of you, and I'll take give you this, 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 and this, some of it's all um, sample size, and I'll just send a bill to Alberta Health, and they'll
5: cover it overall no covered every time so every time in so that case we didn't need any extra insurance. I was but, like, wow, yeah, do the research. That was good care. Okay, so when you're heading down to the states, one thing that Kent and I are looking into is signing up with one of the American group in medical insurance companies. The research I've done so far says that yes you can be a Canadian and sign up with an American group insurance. Yeah. Uh, there are some restrictions like what the one I was looking at said that they will not send payment across the border. Um, but if you're in the States you can collect your payment or if you have a friend in the States and they can collect it for you and then forward it on to you or put it in your PayPal or whatever anyway so that's an option and the, uh, the last thing that we recommend for the the whole medical travel insurance is to check out the Canadian Snowbirds Association yes. website they have a lot of information there they have already worked with different insurance companies to get you guys the best deal as a Canadian snowbird yep. and uh, yeah that's snowbirds is it what is it snowbirds.org, snowbirds.org and it's yeah. the
2: Canadian Snowbirds Association yeah
5: so we do recommend doing that maybe sign yeah. up as a member and then you get all the special deals and yeah. all that kind of stuff so, or just and they have tons of information on there
2: or just go to your travel broker uh, whether it's BCAA or wherever yeah. you buy your car insurance from or Costco and say yeah. I need travel insurance and tell them what kind of travel insurance i need five months i need three months whatever and they'll give you the rates and they'll give you the quotes and then you'll just buy it and you'll know exactly what you will receive and what you won't receive
5: that is an expensive way to go it can be. And the um, older you get, the, the more get, medical yes. challenged
2: you are, the more expensive yes. it is.
5: And the longer you stay, they have these different categories. If you're only down there for 12 days or 45 days versus yeah. like 75 days or 100 days or whatever, yeah. it gets more and more expensive the longer you're down there. I was buying my insurance and and my broker says, you
2: know, and if you're in San Diego and you get really, really ill and uh, you are critical... This policy will even fly a loved one down to say, be at your side, and that'll be part of the package. Anyone and I said, you anyone? Choose. Anyone I choose. So I'm like, well, I think I would choose Chennai Twain. Wayne. She can fly down and she can be at my side and say it's okay. It's going to be fine. And Lisa's la- laughing and the their insurance broker's turning a little bit, a like, couple that's shades of white. But not I meant! <laughs> but, um, I, hey, anybody has said. Me? Okay, okay. Anybody I want, you know. I'm delusional. I'm, I'm ill. So, guys, I hope that helped to put a few details down on your structure. But just yeah. remember the mentality, Okay. I had a grandfather, great-grandfather that came over to Canada and homesteaded, and when the derailment happened and livestock were lost and implements were lost, they still made it out to the homestead and they still set up and they still made it. That mentality has to be a little part of your mentality of saying, hey, I'm going to live full-time in an RV and whatever happens, I'll take care of it and I'll just be prepared for it or I'll just figure it out.
5: You kinda have to have that pioneer spirit, that there adventurous is that. spirit that says, I'm just gonna I know I'm living my life outside the box. Yeah. I know it's not normal. I know it's gonna ruffle a few feathers down at the at the driver's license place or at yeah. the pension office. But just Do it anyway, and figure it out, and work through that, and stay calm. Don't get angry. People don't understand what you're doing, so you have to say, "Look, this is this is my life. I know it's unconventional, but I'm sure there's a way to do it." When we were doing that voting situation, yeah, um, was it? It was my dad actually. My dad had a conversation with a guy when he went to vote. Same thing. They kind of harassed him a little bit about his his address, and he just said, "So you're telling me I can't vote?" I'm a Canadian citizen and they're like oh no 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 no, sir you definitely can vote we'll just have to figure this out so yeah and they did (laughs) and they did and they then they figured it out so there's always a way there's always a way
1: if you missed my intro, Kent and Lisa are Canadians and they're full-time RVers. But just like us, they have healthcare needs and concerns. And while our healthcare systems here in the States are certainly different than our neighbors to the North, one thing is similar and that is change. Healthcare options and healthcare changes and keeping up with those changes is super important. Even more so for those who live full-time and travel in their RV. Living Light RV is the name of Kent and Lisa's channel, and I do hope you'll check it out. They ditched the big house and all the responsibilities that went with it, and as Lisa says, they are now living life by the tail, T-A-L-E, tail, T-A-L-E, you get it? We have a link to Kent and Lisa's channel on our website at vrvshowusa.com. Now is one of the smartest folks around when it comes to RVs and everything about RVs. He's Todd Henson from the National RV Training Academy to hopefully help you discern what you should do and what you should not do with your RV. If anybody knows the right way, the safe way, the best way to do things with your RV, it is Todd. He's here right now to share some of the do's and don'ts, starting out with the topic of propane tanks and the things you need to know about what could potentially be an explosive situation.
6: So number one, never drive with your propane on. Now, Todd, it's not illegal to drive with your propane on. I've been doing it for 20 years and I'm not dead yet. Totally get that, okay? But let me go over the reasons why I say you should never drive with your propane on. One, in order to have your propane on, that means we have propane pressure sitting at our appliances and the whole reason to have your propane on means that we're actually using it and if we're using it that means we're combusting there's a flame there most all of our appliances except for the generator combust with that flame on the outside in other words we're using air for that combustion and that air takes place on the outside well the problem with that is as you're traveling down the road all of that air pulls on that flame and not having the flame in the proper location can cause our appliances to fail or could potentially cause a fire. Now, for those of you, hey, it's not illegal. There's actually two places where it is illegal. That is pulling into fueling stations and, of course, going into tunnels. Now, your state may actually add to that. But that's what we have from the DOT. Those are the two places you don't do it. But I'm going to tell you, just to save your appliances, right here you have an RV the best thing to do is not travel with it on. Go ahead and turn it off. The second thing is don't have an open flame inside the RV other than when you're cooking. All other appliances, of course, whenever we're using the propane, the combustion takes place outside the RV. The only one that takes place on the inside is the stove. You know what you're not supposed to do? Use your stove or your oven as a heating source for the RV. The only caveat that we have for that combustion to take place inside the RV is of course, you're standing in front of it, so you're watching it is what you're doing. The one thing you don't want to do is go to sleep with your stove or your oven on, right? Creates carbon monoxide, not just propane, but carbon monoxide. And that stuff right there, well, that's a sleeping gas, Puts you to sleep forever. Okay, so just simply don't do it. Number two, let's go ahead and cover this question. We see it a ton of different places, ton of different forums. All right, should we have our gate valve open on our black tank or our gray tank? <laughs> Can I tell you for best practices, leave your tanks closed until you're ready to dump, okay? Now, it's kind of obvious we don't leave open the black tank uh valve because, of course, we're going to leave all the solids behind. You get your poop pyramid, right? But a lot of people will ask, well, what about the gray tank? If I leave the gray tank open, should be no problem. Can I tell you, there's stuff that's growing in there as well, stuff crystallizes, and the best thing to do is to keep a healthy amount of water inside the tanks. The one caveat that I see maybe for the gray tanks is when you're washing clothes. I mean, you can get maybe one load in and of course you have all that water going out. It's best to go ahead and open the gray tank when you're washing clothes should you have a clothes washer inside the RV. So other than that, leave them closed until you're ready to go ahead and dump. By the way, best practice, dump the black tank first because you're going to get solids down that line and then dump your gray tank, which actually help clean out all those solids down your poop chute. All right, let's go ahead and talk about topic number three. So, not going to talk about how to repair awnings, but basically, the best practices on using them. First and foremost, as I always say, if you're the only one with the awning out at an RV park and no one else has the awning out, they know something you don't. You're not doing it right. All right, now what am I saying with that? Guys, there's no warning when a gust of wind comes up, and that's nothing more than a big kite. Okay? So, best practices. Don't leave your awnings open If you leave the RV or if you're inside taking a nap or anything else, it's just best to go ahead and close them because it happens less than a couple seconds where a gust of wind comes up and rips it right off. Number two, and I know that this happens because, of course, we all leave unexpectedly when rain hits. All right. When we have to roll up that awning and it's wet, okay? Okay. Awning is dirty. There's a lot of different stuff up there, and we roll that up. This is where mold grows. The best thing to do at that point is, as soon as you can, open that awning up and let it dry in the nice sunlight, if there's absolutely sunlight. Otherwise, if you're out there winter RVing or something like that, resist the urge to use your awning. The less frequent we open that up and expose it to you know, uh, rain and everything else, the longer this will last. Now, what do you use to clean that off? There's different elements out there. There's different products out there. Hydrogen peroxide and a mixture of water can actually get up there and kill some of that stuff. What you want to make sure for uh, first is as long as it doesn't color fast. So find a, a little section that you don't always have open and spray that mixture of hydrogen peroxide and water or some type of awning and a light broom brush, right? You want to put that on there and let it sit. That's going to help kill that mold and pull that stuff off, right? That's just one without looking at different products out there. So again, best practices, don't leave your awning open, unmanned, unpersoned, whatever you call yourself. And second, when you do put it up wet, try not to do everything you can to open it back up and let it dry before storing it. All right, let's go ahead and talk number four and let's talk electricity. Okay, it's been a while since I've covered this, but there's a couple things. Do's and don'ts whenever you're putting your RV out after a travel or anything else. First and foremost, whenever you take your power cord and plug plug into the pedestal, make sure that you don't have any large appliance ready to start working. What am I saying? Don't have your thermostat to your air conditioner set to cool while you're plugging in, because as soon as you plug in that thermostat says, oh, there's the 120 volts. Let's go. The problem is you haven't made full contact. So first and foremost, make sure that all of your large appliances are turned in the off position before plugging into shore power. Okay, We don't want that jump to take place. We want to make sure that we got a good secure contact before we ask for stuff to turn on. Okay, It's plugging in hot is what I typically call it. And the same thing goes whenever we're leaving. You don't unplug hot. Please, oh, please, do not unplug your shore power while your air conditioner's on Um, in the winter when your little fireplace is on. Those things draw a lot of electricity. There's high current there. And when you disconnect, there's going to be just a brief second where we get some really bad voltage coming across, and it could damage things, okay? Okay. So first and foremost, make sure that you never plug in hot. Secondly, be discriminating. When you look at whatever pedestal you're plugged into, if you see melted burn marks or anything else, I want you to be that or this is nope, I'm not going to plug into that. Go back up to the RV park and say, either those outlets need to be changed out or I'd like another place to put my RV simply because if those are all melted, that means there was a thermal event there from the previous person or however however uh, previous that was. But <clears throat> that plastic there is to take your power cord and the blades on your power cord and it guides it in and it's supposed to actually make a nice snug fit. And when they're melted away, I no longer have that nice snug fit. And it could be that I have a loose connection. Well, a loose connection is one of the worst things that we can have because those electrons are going to jump, they're going to burn up your cord You're going to have to spend a couple hundred dollars replacing that, and we don't know what it's going to do to whatever high-amp appliance, such as your air conditioner, how it's going to mess that up, okay? So, be discriminating when you're looking at that shore power. Do not plug into it if it looks like it's melted, okay? Just simply don't protect your investment.
1: Great, great, great info from Todd. As I mentioned at the top of the segment, no one is smarter than Todd Henson is. And I guess he should be. He's one of the instructors at the National RV Training Academy, which is a hands-on school, if you will, where you can go and learn firsthand all about RVs and their systems and how they work. The National RV Training Academy does training for RV techs that work at dealerships. And they train individuals like you and me. And they've trained thousands of folks, the ins and outs, the do's and don'ts, if you will, of operating and repairing RVs. If you want to become a smarter RVer, learning firsthand from a pro is the best way to do it. We have a link up to the National RV Training Academy on our website at TheRVShowUSA.com and I recommend you check out their channel on YouTube. You can thank me later. It's the RV Wingman, and before we roll into our next segment, I want to invite you to join me around my virtual campfire on YouTube. That's right. The RV Show USA has a YouTube channel where you'll find the video version of today's radio show. So when it comes to getting the news, the RV news, one of our resources comes from a couple of friends of mine up in New England. They do the Camper Report show. And one of the things that's so good about that show is they run into all kinds of people. And that's the case today, where John DePietro is reconnected with a a retired radio legend from Cleveland, Ohio, named Jeff Kinsbach. Jeff and his wife, Patty, became full-time RVers a few years ago, and they love it. Now, while this interview was recorded a few months ago, I think the enthusiasm of Jeff and Patty... Well, you can feel it. You really can. It's an excitement that many folks have found when they decided to sell everything and hit the road. Here's John DePetro with the story.
7: Two things that are very important about that. Number one, it's been two and a half years. And number two, you're still talking to each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Patty got more of a kick out of that than you, Jeff. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, John. In the you know. Time, tell us tell give us give us your um thirty second elevator pitch, then we'll get into what you all been doing.
8: Oh well, I'll tell you, first of all, thank you for having us on again.
9: Yes, thank you very much.
8: It's a pleasure to be on your program. Absolutely. And of course we are rocking the RVlife dot com. Mm-hmm. You can find us on Instagram, we're on Twitter and Facebook, Jeff Kinsbox. So yep. and we literally Decided to retire, sell the house, and just travel and see everything that we never had a chance to see. And I thought maybe it would last a month. We're going around three years. Yeah,
7: yeah. yeah. Well, the interesting part when I when I looked at the old tape, um, it said that um, you really began kind of tenting more so than camping what didn't you like have to go to california to see your daughter or with your daughter something like that and yep um,
9: and i did i did tenting with her we camped and her and i did it in a tent she set it all up and uh yeah so that's how i started but we i'd be in the campgrounds and see the rvs and it's like wait a minute i want that someday and i know when he retires that's what i want to do
7: so, so you came to him and said, "This is what I want to do," and and you, yep. your response was was surprisingly positive, right? <laughs> I
8: I said,
9: "What?" Yeah, because I said, "You know what? I have an idea. Let's sell the house. Let's you know get rid of everything. Sell the house. Buy an RV, and just take off and live on the road." And he just, well, I was like, <laughs> it, it took huh? a while to come around and to kind of to get it, you know, to accept it, but uh, he finally. Finally agreed.
7: Yeah. Well, you know, the interesting part, again, going back to that radio career, Jeff, you're in a uh, – what? what's your – are you in a country star now? Uh, yep. Yes. Uh, so Newmark. Newmark country, country star. star. Okay. Did you ever work at a country station? No, yeah. I didn't, but I uh, one of my <laughs> best friends did. Okay. <laughs> no. But now you're a country star. Right. Yes, exactly. Right. Yeah. But as I look around, and uh, we're taping this at 5 o'clock Eastern time, right? You're in the East Coast. East, yes. Mm-hmm. Eastern time zone. It's bright outside – And I remember that unit was having a lot of windows in it. Yeah, it does. The windshield and et cetera. And consider the fact that you spent the vast majority, vast majority of your career in a room with rugs on the wall, rugs on the ceiling, rubber, you know, uh, foam cushions everywhere.
9: No windows. Yeah. No
7: windows. This is (laughs) a uh, total change of venue for you. Oh, it
8: is. It's amazing. I still run outside every chance I get and just go, hallelujah.
7: (laughs) And then you run back in and say to the people outside, we'll be back with more right after this.
8: (laughs) Right after this word from our sponsor.
7: (laughs) (laughs) who are paying our bills. Um, Patty, what has been the um, again, let's just look at the last year. What's been the most exciting thing that you did? Uh, And tell us where you went too, because I believe that you all were in New England. Uh, We
9: were in New England, and we went to Nova Scotia. Mm
7: -hmm. It Uh, was
9: it was so much fun because we put this RV on the cat ferry. Oh, you got on the cat! Yes, yes, and that was just
8: yeah. You got to back it up. So much fun! That was
9: such an adventure. We just had so much fun going to Nova Scotia, exploring that. But I tell you what, the the mosquitoes were big. Um, (laughs) It
8: was You, you know what's great. New England was fantastic.
9: Oh, New England was beautiful. We but, went up but the I coast. Love Nova, Nova Scotia. Don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah. I, I love Nova Scotia. We spent about two, two weeks, weeks there. there. Yeah, Yeah. it was and, fantastic. Uh, we checked it all out, and it was beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah,
7: yeah. Jeff, you agree with that? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. it was fantastic. Yeah. Did you go along the main coast uh, on Route One up to uh, up to Bahaba? As my yeah, wife. we did. We uh, we
8: actually started in Plymouth, and we stayed uh, we stayed at a great place in Plymouth. What was it? Um, the the Pinewood
7: Lodge. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. With yep. with huge, very very wooded. Yes. Yeah. Like gigantic pine trees.
9: Oh yeah, and the fire pits the are just fire, fire huge pits stones are awesome. Yeah, beautiful huge rocks. Yeah,
8: yeah. beautiful place. So yeah. we stayed there. Then uh, it was uh, Gloucester, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, Rockport. Yep, right next door to each other, and yeah. that was fantastic. We we found the lighthouse, which is kind of hard to find, and walked out on that rock jetty all the way into the harbor, practically yeah. to that other little lighthouse. That was fantastic, mm-hmm. and the seafood. Oh my oh, gosh!
7: Yeah. Well, you know what? You're you spent most of your career in Cleveland. Am I right? Right, right. So the seafood you get if 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 it came off Lake Erie, it, it probably had more carcinogens in it than. Yeah.
8: <laughs> Well, you know, I'll tell you, I can tell you exactly what the temperature is because of the mercury in my
7: body. <laughs> <laughs> you, you glow, right? You glow. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the funny thing is, when you get people from the Midwest that come out east, um, you know, in summertime or in the fall when it's absolutely fantastic, they remember it. And us New Englanders kind of take it for granted. It's kind of, um, you know, New Yorkers don't don't walk, uh, they don't go up the Empire State Building or anything, and Bostonians don't walk the Freedom Trail, but outsiders come in and do that. Did you drive right through Boston, through the tunnels, when you were uh, heading? No, we, no we, we went around. Yeah, we went around. Yeah. Yeah, yep. not a good thing to do, uh, whatever. So um, what are your plans for the coming months?
8: Well, I'll tell you, we're going to be uh, in Northeast Ohio for about a month or two. We've got a couple of shows that we're going to be doing at uh, the Music Box Supper Club
9: in Cleveland. In
8: Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And then we're planning to hit the north, go across the north. We'd like to see uh, Theodore Roosevelt National Park, Glacier, all sorts of points in between, probably hit Badlands again, and um, uh, parts of North and, and South Dakota, Montana, Idaho, and uh, do the whole Pacific Northwest.
7: Ah, uh, Okay. Yeah, I mean, we have um, within the U.S. Mm-hmm, yeah, I go up into Canada and then uh, right. You know, so I, we I have friends that said try to hit the Calgary Stampede. I don't know if you've ever been there. That whole area is fantastic.
8: Yeah. Our daughter is moving to Seattle, so we're yeah. going to oh. eventually visit
7: her. Yes,
9: so we're kind of making our way there, but we're going to just take right. our time.
7: Yeah, yep. and then tomorrow I'm talking with the people from British Columbia camping and tourism. Bureau. So if you want to do anything out there, cause it's hard for me to get from Boston to Vancouver, uh, you know, to do a weekend thing. But if you go out there, we'll hook you up. And, uh, you know, you do, a, you do some sightseeing as right. a yeah mm-hmm. um, you know, there are some financial benefits to that. If you know what I'm talking about. Right. But, you know, we'd be, we'd love to do that. Yeah. Yep. So, um, You're gonna go north and then hang out what till the fall, then south to California, or
8: yeah, we'll eventually find our way down the coast. We want to well, no,
9: because I want to go to um, Lake Tahoe. We have not been there yet. Uh, We want to make our way down that way, down to Lake Tahoe and then Mammoth. Yep, that's kind of what I'm thinking. We don't have a the route mate mapped yet, but you know that's kind of our our thought right now
1: i often say that full-time rv living is not for everyone but for for the Kinsbox so far and for many others it seems to be working out pretty good thanks to john with the camper report show and to his co-host bob zagami these two guys are friends of mine and another great resource you ought to get to know combined they have about i don't know 150 years worth of rv experience Seriously, these guys are super good. They do a terrific job. I hope you will check them out. Look up The Camper Report Show, or you can connect with them through our website at TheRVShowUSA.com. All right, they're giving me the signal to wrap it up. But before we do, to get the latest version of my free RV report showing you how to save thousands of dollars when buying a new RV and learn how to not get ripped off, you can download it right now on our website. Yes, you can at TheRVShowUSA.com. And remember, if you're looking for a great RV dealer to do business with, I hope you'll check out those of the RV Dealers I Trust Network, providing the absolute best buying and ownership experience ever. Go to rvdealersitrust.com. And finally, a special thanks to you for joining me around our virtual campfire. Till next time, I'm Alan Warren, the RV wingman. Be safe, have fun, play nice, and don't leave your good manners at home.
2: The RV Show USA Start living the
9: RV dream